John. I mean, we, we did some of the things that we've been doing earlier to lose ball games. We, you know, we didn't protect the ball. We weren't able to stay consistent on offense, and we gave up some big plays on defense that we hadn't been giving up. And those things have been Achilles' heel all year long. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast, talking your Houston Texans straight from Massachusetts, actually, this week. Um, and on a vacation edition, I've got a couple of people here to try and help me out. Probably not seen as much and not as in-depth as, as normally do, but um, they were described as their own worst enemy by Coach Cully this week as the Texans went down 23-7 to in the Bay against the 49ers and probably a less than convincing tree lance, but we'll, we'll come on to that. But two returning guests to try and help me out this week uh, from 713 Houston Sports. Ruben, how you doing? What's going on, guys? Thank you for having me. And from Texans Unfiltered, Jay, how you doing? Good, man. Ready, happy to be here and ready to talk football. So appreciate you guys coming in um, again, joining us this week. Um, Ruben, it's been a long old season, mate. How are you, how are you coping? You know, I think this is probably one of the hardest seasons to watch, you know, as a Houston Texans fan. Because we all know this team was going to be bad. But from going to someone who, you know, being Deshaun Watson, who you drop your jaw when you look at him play, to him not not going to be on this team anymore, you're losing, nothing's going right for you. This season has just been, you know, it's been horrible to watch, but it just is what it is. And, you know, we are in the situation that we're in because of ownership and Bill Bryan, and we're just living with the, with the aftermath. Yeah, and Jay, you got any coping mechanisms, mate? How have you, how have you, uh, how have you dealt with this season? For the most part, I kind of wrap my my mind around the fact that we were, we weren't going to be good this season, especially with a rookie head coach, you know, who's had a lot of red flags coming in. We kind of, well, for me, I mean, it was it was tough overall. Even these past couple games, you know, you you watch these games and you're obviously optimistic for the most part. Or you wish for the best. You're looking uh, mostly forward to like the rookies, but besides that, it's been it's been pretty much what I expected. And the optimistic part, I guess, from the difference from from this year to last year is that at least we're going to be able to keep our top three pick or top four, top five, depending if we went out. Yeah, no, I suppose that, that's the in the age of parity. Well, it's the real reason it's cost control, right? But in the age of parity uh, in the league, I suppose, yeah, you do have that silver lining. Um, of a high draft pick. That's not something we've had um, for a long time. We just talked about this a minute ago, Jair. I've just had the overriding emotion that this season has felt pointless so many Sundays. Um, and when you think about the 49ers game on Sunday, did you learn anything new about this team? Uh, it wasn't... People will say it was an ugly game, and I, and I will agree, only putting up seven points... I mean, at least from a box score perspective, you would think it's an ugly game. But I think we saw a few developments, at least from from the quarterback, from Davis Mills, which is pretty much the best you can ask for. Obviously, we have two sides of Texans fandom, people that are kind of pro-mill, people that are anti-mills. I'm mostly more in the middle where he had, I feel he took a few, a few strides against the 49ers defense, which is pretty much considered, which is a top five defense heading into week 16, 17. So I, I was, I kind of, I think I tweeted this earlier, but I would take this version of Mills that we saw on Sunday versus the one that we saw against the Rams where he, he put up better uh, stats, better numbers against the Rams, but at least, at least, yeah, in, in garbage time, exactly. But at least in this game, he was making throws that he could have made a few months ago. And he was, and for at least for the first half, you could see that the O line and like the protection for the most part, it, it did a decent job. It wasn't amazing, it wasn't perfect, and it was going to be really hard against a really good uh, 49ers front seven. But at least uh, he, he didn't he didn't he didn't look like a fish out of water for the most part. Uh, he made he made that tough drive, which ended up in a touchdown. Um, so there are certain throws that he made that. that Kind of what I'm going back to repeating myself, but he he made a few throws that I'm pretty sure he couldn't have made earlier on in the season. 
Yeah, no, I think so. And I, I, you're seeing a development, and it's funny you reference that because I think people have, because there's been so few storylines this year, Ruben, I think people have kind of got caught up in are you pro mills, are you four mills? And look, you can't really be for or against a young guy who's never played. And um, you can only judge what you see. There's been a lot of terrible fucking tape this season, um, the first couple of games. But that was not his fault because he should never have been in a position. He should have been the third string at best this year. Um, you know, and not Jeff Driscoll as your backup option who finally got found out and tight end and all this kind of all this kind of shit they've tried, which is kind of strange really. But you know, when when you see Mills, there's obvious development there. He's got better as the season's gone on. Nobody doubts that. Um but I think what people maybe doubt is will the development get him to a point at some point next season that will be good enough? And I think for me, I I keep going back to the fact if you bring in a veteran who's a capable starter you know, better version of of Tyrod Taylor. They're probably going to beat him out, and he doesn't necessarily play. But I think you persevere with him. But my question, Ruben, is probably: Do you think his his ceiling is high enough to the point where he reaches where he's even serviceable game manager? I think so. So I am one of the you know Davis Mills uh, you know pro pro guys, right? I look at his whole story as a whole. To him, only playing his 14 games in college. Didn't really play good in college, if we're being honest with ourselves. You know, going to him coming to a team that he's not he wasn't even supposed to be. Like, he's not even supposed to be on his roster, if we're being honest. He's supposed to be number four. His team, adding all that stuff going in, his horrible first stint, and then, you know, getting better after they benched Tyrod Taylor. I think he's done enough to warrant, you know, st- starting for next season for when, as far as, uh, him into being a game manager type quarterback. It just depends on the coaching because time and time again, we've seen this coaching staff failed him, you know, uh, the game against the Panthers. They said that they didn't want to, you know, give him the playbook that they wanted to, you know, keep it low. And then games like against the 49ers, no second half adjustments, right? It was the same thing against the Seahawks. We've seen Davis Mills play good in the first half and then fall off in the second. I do think that is probably due to coaching. And once we get, you know, coaches who could help him develop, then we could see the ceiling and the potentialness of Davis Mills. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, I noticed that a couple of times on Sunday and they're running, you know, second and medium, uh, second and long and with this running game. And I think, you know, I think some of, obviously the, the, a young quarterback's, you know, friend is going to be the run game, right? And you're going to have times where it's going to put him in situations where he's less comfortable. When you've got Eric Armstead, when you've got Bosa, you know, rushing on third down, an obvious passing situation, it's going to be tough for most quarterbacks because they're elite players, they're difference makers at this level. And I suppose that the the the, the sort of kind of comparisons against other rookies and all this kind of stuff, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters really is that how good is he in the National Football League against the best and. I think the coaching staff hasn't given them a good opportunity, um, you know, a lot of the time to, to, to be able to, to, to be put in situations to be successful. And I think the biggest, you know, the biggest thing is throws, that, throws down the seam. That was abundantly clear from his, his, his tape at Stanford that that was one of his you know, most efficient uh, routes that he threw, he threw. He could read linebackers and you could see that. And I think you, you, you've seen, what, what we've seen, I think, really from Mills, Jair, is... A guy who's improved in a bad situation um, and a guy who is good against zone coverage. So last week against the Chargers, you had a team that played a lot of zone coverage and he can pick that apart. He's shown that. Um, they didn't. They couldn't really rush. They've got a linebacker playing defensive end because of COVID um, omissions from, from, their, from their game day roster. Um, and then this week, you saw better defense. You saw a bit of regression to the mean. So where do you think in a new scheme, Jair, Mills could be because I, I think a West Coast system might fit better. Um, I think with a better running game with interior interior guys who can block a little and with running backs reduce. Imagine that, right? A running back reduce. We're not seeing that for a long time. But what do you think the Texans need to do, Jair, next season to make Mills successful? Because right now he's not in a situation to be successful. The most easiest one, uh, putting in perspective that David Culley's probably back next year, would probably be to to probably promote Pep Hamilton to offensive coordinator simply because in, in Stanford, they ran a West Coast offense. That was something that Justin Reed was pointing out earlier um, last week when he was talking about. So that would be a pr- pretty familiar and seamless transition, uh, moving Pep to offensive coordinator. I think a, a, a big reason why 
Davis Mills hasn't looked like a fish out of water because he's had Pep as a quarterback coach. Um, and it would probably probably be best to have already have a coach that's already worked with Davis Mills that kind of knows him. They already saw what he did in his rookie season. And kind of adding back to your last point, obviously, you know, improving the run game is going to be imperative for, for the offense to take a, 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 a next step in their development. And also, uh, something I've liked or I've been encouraged about Davis Mills is the is, has been the deep ball passing the last couple games because it's been the first time we've actually seen him actually air out the football. Against the Chargers, he had a few good passes to Philip Dorsett. And then this past game, he ha- kind of had that going with Brandon Cooks. So if you can somehow build on that and obviously add more time to the receiver position, because I don't see Chris Conley coming back. They were hyping him up as the as a deep threat. And for he had a few plays. He had that touchdown against the Patriots in that, in that gimmick play and with Mills. And he also had that touchdown uh, against the Chargers. But he, he doesn't seem like the option moving forward. Yeah, I, I think you need you, – not only do you need multiple pass catchers, um, are going to because I think that you know you talked uh, Ruben touched you touched on there right the the second half adjustments that teams are making but the biggest adjustment that every team makes is they go man coverage because I think you know Brevin Jordan can do it a little but you know I didn't see much of him on Sunday I think Nico Collins and I think I've seen a couple of people touch on this and it's been a concern of mine he, he doesn't play like the size he is um, and you saw that on the so he needs and I think they're asking him to do things again that aren't necessarily his skill set. Um, He's a guy that he, okay, he runs a four, five, or four, three, or four, four, or whatever it might be. But it's always on the tape. It takes him a while to get up to that speed. So like short, sharp, quickness stuff that Philip Dorsett actually showed. And I think he was a big loss and actually an underrated loss, you know, week on week, not having somebody from the slot in terms of this offense. Um, so I think yeah, there, there's a lot there that needs to improve. But um, in terms of in terms of what you think that you know this team needs to put around Mills. Ruben, what what would you say is your top couple of things that needs to needs to change? Because you know it feels like it feels like that you know there there could be some easy fixes, and um and for and for me, I am looking forward to the day where we get to watch a new scheme because it's been the same shit for seven years, seven eight years now. So. Yeah, so one thing um I do like what Jayer said about um bringing in uh, Pep Hamilton as the OC, um. They talked about, you know, potentially keeping David Kelly, you know, for longer uh, next season. I'm okay with that if Pep Hamilton is the OC, you know, like Jair said, someone who knows Davis Mills, who ran that system in Stanford. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all on board for that. As far as what we need to build around them, it needs to start in the trenches. We need some O-line help. You know, there's one guy, his name is um, James Daniels, the guard from Chicago, only 24 years old, someone who was drafted, you know, in the third round. He's going to be a free agent and this offensive line needs work, right? We continue to move Titus Howard. We, we, you know, we don't have a, a certain spot for him. We don't know what's going to happen with Lermit Sunzel. So, or a, if you want to see if there's anything with Davis Mills, you need to keep him upright first. And it starts with the offensive line for me. And Jay, everybody's kind of talked about what the Texans need to do. What is, in your view, what does Mills need to do to get better? What's his next couple of things that he needs to, to take a step forward and, that's a tough question because I still feel he's a I still feel personally he's a, a developmental quarterback. I don't I don't see him as a starting quarterback yet. I feel he's gonna be given the opportunity to start simply because he's gonna be like the only quarterback on the roster. But moving forward, I would like to see, like you said earlier, I would like to see another quarterback be brought in either via free agency or, or the draft or trade to uh, help him compete. I feel for the most part, he's already an accurate passer. He's, a, he's already a plus 65% passer. And obviously that kind of comes with, he's been given a very friendly, for the most part, offense in terms of screens, short passes, stuff like that. But I would like, I would like to see him take the next step in, in terms of the deep ball. If, you know, and, and obviously that's not all on him. You need to add more weapons around him. And that's, that goes for any young quarterback who wants to succeed. If you, uh, it's hard for a young quarterback to, for the most part, carry a, a franchise and take it to the next level. Most of the young quarterbacks coming in, they're going to have certain areas they're going to struggle. You can even look at it from the other – I mean, I'm not comparing those to Zach Wilson or any of the other draft picks, but it's going to be hard to just come in from day one and just 
you know, put the whole team on your back and and keep moving forward. Even with Deshaun, um, he 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 was th- three and three as a starter. So I was adding to that. It's really hard to win in the, as an NFL rookie or as an NFL as a young quarterback. But and I don't even see him. To be honest, I don't even see Davis Mills winning a lot of games in 2022. If we're being honest, it's mostly going to be of him taking personal growth in certain areas, which is, uh, and a lot of it is, it's kind of hard to see, to, it's kind of hard to ask him to grow without a, without a running, run game. So I think for the most part, I still see him as, as a, I still see him as a, as a, as a game manager, as a game manager, as a quarterback, but so I think as long as he keeps on making all the right throws, not turning the ball over, I'll be I'll be happy with it because he has like what ten interceptions and twelve starts. Thir- I mean, in twelve games, thirteen games. So if he's able to just, you know, for his, for the most part, not shoot himself in the foot, I'll be proud. I'll, I'll be happy with whatever we get from him next year. Yeah, one thing I was thinking about the other day, right, is that a lot of people, and I remember having this these, this conversation in the off season that you kind of knew that they were always going to go into next season kind of whatever happened with Mills, and that was before you'd even seen him take a pro snap. There's been some good tape, and there's been some, I guess, bad defences predominantly, um, bar the Patriots, but then the second half kind of evened itself out. Same with the Seahawks game. One good half, one bad half. And I kind of struggle with that, really, and I think, you know, he needs to have somebody to compete and teach and show him, you know, the, the, the finer points of what it is to be a pro quarterback. Jimmy G seems one. Again, he's got complimentary comments about Jack Easterby. He's got a real closeness with Casario. Um, he's going to be out. We've just obviously played the 49ers. Ruben, would you? Does that is that one just too obvious? It kind of is, but you know, if it's going to put you in a position where you could win games and also help the development of Davis Mills, because like Jair said, he's a developmental QB. Totally, one hundred percent agree. And I'm all here for it. You know, Jimmy G, he, he's been playing a lot better, you know, like before going out, you know, before going out, he was playing good, you know, and um, a veteran here, you know, on the Texans, someone who could also, you know, mentor uh, Davis Mills, you know, he's not going to come in, you know, everyone's not going to be expecting G, uh, Jimmy G to save the franchise, you know, he's just going to be the veteran quarterback on this team and just see what the Houston Texans could do. I wouldn't mind it at all. At all. Jair, regardless of who you bring in, do, is there any point bringing in a guy who's going to beat out Mills if the whole point in next season to see what he's got? I would say so, simply because I don't want to give um, Davis Mills anything that he doesn't deserve. So if he, if he for whatever reason, beats out uh, whoever comes in, I'm all for it. But, you know, kind of going back, to, I mean, to the mantra Casario, it was really about what he says. It's about, I mean... People might cringe, but it's all about competition. You know, it's not about ha- handing anything out. I mean, yeah, yes, you want to see Davis Mil- Davis Mills on the field because he was a, he was a third round pick and he has he had certain upside, certain tools that made him a day two pick by many people when, when he was entering the draft. But for me, it's all about whoever plays out the best, let him start. And in this case, I was just looking at the quarterback list. It pretty much the two quarterbacks that mostly catch my attention are two, which is Marcus Mariota and Jimmy Garoppolo. And obviously one's going to be a free agent and one's going to be a, a available be a trade. But I, I think I think the 49ers, they're going to be ready to move on sooner than later because they, they, they already traded up most of their uh, first-round picks for Trey Lance. So they're pretty much going to want to see him start next year. And if that's, if that's the case, putting Patriot ties aside, and just looking at the body of work and what they bring to the table, the two better quarterbacks are going to be Mariota and um, and Garoppolo if we choose to go that route and not draft the quarterback. So if that's the case, I think we kind of need to start wrapping our heads around the fact that Garoppolo could be here next year if Casero chooses, chooses to go that route. And I think he would be a decent option in terms of, you know, someone being helping this team be competitive and also being a good mentor for. For uh, for Mills. 
Yeah, and I think Mariota's a great option as well potentially. I mean, I, th- I know Bill. I know if he'd cut, if he'd come out the year that Clowney was taken in 2014, if he hadn't gone back to Oregon for another year, I think it's well documented that O'Brien would have taken him. Um, and he and Luke O'Brien might be in the division according to CBS Sports. Um, report that came out on Sunday. He's been pushed by Trent Balky as the head coach. That'd be an interesting headline if that does come uh, um, fruition. But yeah, no, I think there's, there's there's more change to come, and I think some of the moves that could have been made this off season will be made that. Next season, um, we've got a shit ton of dead cap money that's been inherited and taken on, so we're going to be limited, and it's going to push our free agent spending probably back into twenty twenty three. So that's the that's the position we're in. That's the moves Casario's made, and um, you know he's criticised himself, um, and in terms of the, the the team building job that's been done, I think that's been obvious at points this season. A couple of fledgling sort of backup type talents that we've picked up this year, and that's great. There's a lot to be to be added there. Um, but yeah, this off-season is going to be a bit of turn. We'll come on to some of the needs and stuff later on. Trying to wrap up the game on Sunday. Couple of calls in the third quarter. It was a tight game. What did you think, Ruben, of the of the, of the the forward progress call, first and foremost, about the uh, thing? Because that seemed a tough call. And I think when the, when the broadcasters call it out, who are, you know, you know, do their damnedest to be impartial when they call it out. It feels like that was probably the first time this season we'd maybe been fucked over by the refs a little. Yeah, so I actually used to be a ref here in Houston. You know, shout out to the Tassel organization. So we got a group message, you know, from our guy, and he's like, exactly what happened in the 49ers game is what you should do. You know, that was, you know, he was still going, ball popped out. It should have been for the Houston Texans. You know, that was where we were really like, man, the refs are really hoeing us and, you know, and trying to give it, you know, to the 49ers. It was all downhill, you know, from pretty much that play. And then uh, David Cully happened. But for sure, that should have been Texas ball right there. Yeah. And Jair, there was, there was that. Well, what was your thoughts on that one? And then secondly, what was your thoughts on the the, the Mr. Penalties? Uh, I think he's up to 10 now this season, Farrell Brown. I don't expect him to be back apart from week one where he looked like, you know, Gronk and then the rest of the time he's look, he's not, he's just been nobody. Um, negates a 50-yard bomb, um, you know, and apart from that and a couple of big uh, PI calls that we got that I thought the second one on Brandon Cooks was, was, was weak. I thought there was a couple of spots that the ref did. There was a fourth down spot that they put on it and it was it was at least a yard further forward than... Than uh, than Trey Lance had actually managed to progress the ball. So, what did you think of the, the those couple of calls that really swung the game in the third quarter? Yeah, the officiating overall was mainly questionable. We're trying to be nice, but it was it was it was awful for the most part. Uh, it was bad. It was it was really really bad. Uh, it, the fumble. I was mainly frustrated because we were uh, the Texans were already in territory of the 49ers, so they got to came 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 away with points in that drive. Uh, and then with the with the Pharaoh Brown penalty, it was somewhat frustrating because it was it was a beautiful pass by Mills. I was I was mainly surprised because, like I said, I haven't seen those type of, of I haven't seen the Texans really been that aggressive this year and trying to air it out. So it was it was frustrating. Uh, I, I was mainly encouraged in that drive. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they still went down the field and they were in position to score, but Kaimi missed that field goal. But uh, so I like the fact that despite the fact that they they were already uh, there's a there's a flag that pulled them back for the most part uh, in that aspect of the offense. Uh, we had seen that whenever a penalty happens, the whole drive makes, mostly just goes to shit. But what the fact that they were able to like build on it and, and, and get downfield at least for, for to attempt field goal was somewhat commendable. And going back to Farrell Brown. I don't see him coming back next year, especially the way he's been playing, all the flags. He's been mainly inconsistent, and whenever he's on the field, he's always, uh, instead of creating positive plays, he's always uh, drawing flags and um, putting the offense backwards, which is pretty much what you don't want. Yeah. No, I think so. I think you'll have Brevin Jordan in there and probably a whole new room um, at that position. Um, in terms of getting down to that, that field goal that Kaimi missed, Cully doesn't go for it fourth and short again, working on the assumption he's going to get two possessions back before the end of the ball game, which considering how much the 49ers were running it, it was always going to be a, 
a case that they would grind their way into the game, continue to run it and control the clock as the game went on because that's just what that offence does and it's proven time on time that they're creative in the run game and can get yards. Ruben, what did you think of Cully's call and you add that to a bucket list of calls that this season he's just not been aggressive, not wanted to go for it, gun shy, made some bad in-game management. I think that went back to the kind of thought that, you know, what does he do for this team? Because he doesn't, schematics, no, you know, okay, he's just here to be a cheerleader and, you know, we've got 50 of them or whatever, haven't we, on the sidelines? And Yeah, I think David Kelly, you know, just continues to show why he was never anything higher than the offensive coordinator. Multiple bad, you know, clock management. I blame the Patriots' loss on him. Uh, you know, if we go back to then, when you don't go for it on fourth down and you're down, you know, the Houston Texans were in the game until the end of the third quarter. You could have went for it, try. I mean, even if you failed, the fact that you go for it shows that you're trying to win. But then you you don't go for it, and then you try to go for it later, and you just make yourself look bad. It just shows that you don't know what you're doing. And it's just been, you know, time and time after again where we see why David Cully, why no one wanted to offer him a head coaching job. That's the only reason why I say I don't want the guy here next year is because, you know, we have a lot of things to, you know, to to grow in this franchise, in this organization, you know, that needs to develop and head coach. And we don't have time for that. We need the head coach to come in and solve this issue. And Jair, there were multiple reports out there. There was Ian Rappaport put it out uh, on game day morning, and then secondly, it was in the Athletic as well um, that they expect him to be back. Um, I kind of toy between the idea of well, next season is kind of going to be similar to this. So, is there any point? Are you in a position to get the best head coaches? Your job attractive in the pool of jobs now. You just never know what's going to happen and what jobs will be available next year. So you run that risk. Um, Caserio kind of very much seems like a risk management type of guy um, in terms of how he's managed the Deshaun stuff and all that to this point. But where do you sit on him? Because it feels like he doesn't do a lot for this team. And when he does, when he is called into action, he doesn't necessarily help us. So, you know, is there any point in being here, uh, regardless of what it's going to be like on the field? I would say for the most part that I'm pretty indifferent when it comes to Cully. I mean, obviously he, he has the, uh, a few moments where they're kind of laughable for the most part, like, like some of his, some of his um, game time decisions and some of his press conferences, like it's, he doesn't help himself out sometimes, but at the same time, uh, if we're just keep like, just being completely impartial, I've been somewhat encouraged by this rookie class. And that's some, some, and sometimes you have to give credit where it's due. Maybe, maybe he lets his coaches work. So it's mostly about if if I'm if we're already uh, wrapping our heads around the idea that he's going to stay here. It's all about bringing in the right coaches underneath him, the right offensive coordinator, the right offensive coach, to somewhat complement what Coley does. And if if that's the case, uh, you know, there's no there's no point, at least for me, of being upset that he's going to stay here because there's nothing I can do about it. But it's all about hoping that Casario and Coley can pick the right coach and put the right person in place. And how? And I think a great example of that, I mean, Cully is what he is. He kind of sits on top of that pyramid, doesn't do it. But Jair, how do you balance the, the difference between on the, on the defense, for example, which has been a plus largely when you think about the level of talent that's there, how do you balance the future and what type of players you want to draft, the type of players you want to sign when you've got a really specific scheme need for corners and safeties and linebackers to a degree as well? Um, you know, the front four guys, you know, it's much of a much, you can kind of shoehorn them in a three or three, four or four, three most of the time, um, unless they're, you know, you know, you know, definitive outside linebackers in a three, four. But how do you balance the fact between if you keep Lovey next season, which he's, he's probably done the best job at the coordinators, I don't think that's much of a debate. How do you balance between what type of players you pick um, and how you develop? Do, do you get players for his scheme um, knowing that he might not be here in two years' time, or how 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 does Casario balance that in in in, uh, in your view? Because I think that's probably one of the biggest balances he needs to get right. Yeah, I know people cringe when they say this word a lot, but there's a lot of players that uh, they're they're like you know versatile, they're you know versatility, and there's there's mostly players who can make the seamless transition from three four to four three. Like they play different schemes throughout the game, and Casario like. 
I know it's kind of cringy, but he says he, like he wants to bring in players that football players. So if you're technically a football player, it doesn't matter what scheme you play. You know, at the end of the day, it's football. It might just change what type of stance you're in, what type of technique. You know, you might be standing up um, or like putting your hand on on the on the dirt to rush the passer. But uh, if you're just drafting a one type of player to play one type of scheme, it's kind of like a one trick pony. At the end of the day, you want you want to pick players that are able to do multiple things. And if and if you're uh, technically if you're smart, you shouldn't just be a four three defensive end. You should also be able to be a three four outside linebacker. So as long as you pick the good players, and in this case, you know we have high draft picks. I wouldn't be worried about uh, where we draft. We're we're gonna be in a in a spot where we can draft uh, really good players. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. We're looking ahead to a season. We'll do a quick, couple of quick fire ones. Uh, Ruben, I'll start for you, mate. Um, looks like he's injured as he has been a lot of his career, looks like he's got, well, he's on the COVID list, so, you know, he might play on Sunday. Um, whether he does or not, has Justin Reed played his last game for Houston Texans? Uh, I think so. I think so. I think, you know, he probably wants to win himself. Um, he's still a very smart, you know, safety. He definitely had, you know, some plays this season. Um, I don't think that's the suspension went well with him. You know, probably still going to be back to his mind. I think he leaves uh, in free agency. And Jair, where, where do you stand on Reed and Brandon Cooks gets his thousand yard season again? Obviously, they restructure that contract. He's got a couple of avoidable years. What do you do with him also? I think, well, in terms of Reed, just to answer that first part, I'm 50 50. Uh, he's, a, he's a decent starter on this defense. I've kind of uh, I've seen why I can see why he struggled. You know, the amount of safeties he's had to play through uh, since he entered the league, it was. Tyron Matthew, Tayshawn Gibson, Eric Murray, then it was Lonnie. And then, you know, it's, it's been a lot of safety. It's kind of hard to uh, be a, uh, be consistent when, when your running mate isn't, is always different. Plus the injuries, which are part, they're part of the, a part of the game. He kind of reminds me of Will Fuller in the sense, in the defense, like when he's on the field, he's very talented. But and to his credit this year, he's been pretty healthy. He uh, he's had he, he's had very good moments for the most part, but at the same time, I don't think any NFL GMs gonna be looking at him and like make him the highest paid safety in the league. That's not who he is at this point of his career. So if, if he's able to, if they're able to put all their egos aside and you know, and and work out a a, a team friendly deal that works for both sides, I would be open to that. But at the same time, if he's if he's if he's ready to move on, go to bigger, different things, you know, to a team that might be contending, I could see, uh, I could see him leaving. But he's 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 been okay. He hasn't been a liability for this defense. And in terms of Brandon Cooks, um, after he restructured his contract, he still has, I think, he still has one year left in his deal. So, if you would kind of have to decide, uh, well, or at least I think Casero would have to decide, uh, do I re do I resign him to a bigger deal because. He seems, or at least from the outside looking in, that he's happy to be there. He's he's willing to put in the, the the dirty work to try to help this franchise come back to relevancy in a few years. So if he's all bought in with the process, he's he's a very talented player. Uh, the biggest concern with him was the concussions, but he had kind of made the point that that wasn't a big deal at the, at the time because because um, every concussion is different. His were very mild to very uh, small, so. And, and for the most part, he, he's been balling out. You know, he, you can kind of argue that he's been more, well, you can say for a fact that he's been healthier than DeAndre Hopkins, which isn't throwing any strays at him or trying to throw any any shade, but he's been everything you want on the field and off the field. And he's 28. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's a lot younger, do you think? I think, yeah, that, that's the issue with Cooks. I think you've got one year left. He's going to have a big salary cap hit next year. When you've got a ton of dead money that you've taken on with the merciless stuff, with Brandon, uh, with uh, Randall Cobb, with with Bradley Roby, all these guys that we've taken, you know, dead cap hits with that we're going to exact cunning them. Like it's just like the the dead cap money next year. I think it's an underrated storyline. Casario has not done a great job in that. Um, you know, some might say it's necessity, it might not. Uh, but you're going to have to make some moves. Another guy you might have some dead cap with Ruben is Laramie Tunsil. Where do you stand on his future? I think the fact that he's not come back since week four either shows he doesn't, you know, give a shit, which 
I, you can kind of see that from the limited knowledge you have. I'm not to kind of you know say he doesn't care about football, but he may not just care about the situation. Um, or they've said, look, we're going to move on from you, so you know, take it easy. <laughs> Which one of those do you think it is, and what would you do if you were Casario in terms of Tunsil? Because it kind of feels like a luxury that you don't you don't really need at this stage in terms of where this the arc of this team development is. Yes, I totally agree. You know, if Deshaun's still here, then Lerman Tunsil definitely needs to be here. Um, you know, since he hasn't come back and he should have, uh, I think there's a good chance he gets traded in the offseason. A team that I've been saying for a while, uh, since he, I think if they add someone like Lerman Tunsil, you know, if they could give us a first round pick and maybe like a one or two more, then I'm all, you know, I'm off all, all for it, you know, for the Lerman Tunsil trade. And Jair, uh, where'd you sit on Tunsil and who are the who are the top three guys you want to bring back that are that are out of contract this year? All right, so to answer the first part, I already wrapped my head around the fact that I don't see Larry Tunsil coming back this next year. And, I, and I've seen a lot of people also um point that out. Uh, like uh Texans cap Troy, he brought up the fact that, you know, there's been multiple things going on. Uh Aaron Wilson also, they've kind of said they kind of agreed that he's no longer coming back or like to the or, or at least not to play. And for me, I his injury wasn't that I mean, I'm not a doctor, obviously, but the the timetable for his for his recovery was like a month, maybe two. He should have been four weeks. He should have been medically cleared to play already. So the fact that if you really love football, which uh, or you love to play, you'd have been like, I want to get back on the field. Because even David Coley was saying it was mostly a personal reason. So it seems like it, it all points to the fact that he doesn't want to play, which I don't fault him. You know, like, but at the same time, you're getting paid to do your job. So you kind of like leaving out a few teammates uh, out to dry, you know, but it is what it is. Uh, I wouldn't mind trading him. I think a big part. I mean, I, I think he's going to have a say where he goes to. Obviously, there's no trade clause, but uh, kind of how Texans Cap pointed out in some, in a while back, uh, he's also very uh, – he loves – or he likes to play football, but he's also very involved in his brand and stuff like that. So I think he's going to want to go to a big market. You know, so I haven't really looked at certain destinations, but maybe New York. I know the Giants or the, or the Jets, they could always use O-line help. And that's a big market for him. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think he'd like to go to California. I think that's where, I, like, if you can get him to one of the LA teams. Yeah, so. Obviously, the, Ram, oh, the Rams are spent. But if you can get him to the Chargers, um, you know, they're not necessarily set up front. I think it's maybe an option. But, yeah, New York, probably not. But, yeah, I think that's a huge part with Tunzel, right? But what, what, what do you think the value is? What's the trade value back? He also, uh, I'm, I'm quoting Texas Cap a lot, but he, he kind of said a late first in a, or a really good early second. And I and I kind of see that too, realistically, from the from the aspect that he has a big contract, and 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 whoever acquires him is gonna have to uh, deal with the fact that he only has two years left on his deal. So you're not gonna throw a first round pick for a player, and then they just walk him because they're not because Tunsil doesn't like the the market he's in or the team he's in. So whoever trades for him has to know that they're gonna have to work out a new deal. So, yeah. No, yeah. And have you, have you got a couple of names you want to bring back? Oh, yeah. On this road? I would yeah. say the first one, if the money makes sense, is uh, Kamu Grudger-Hill. He's been one of the few uh, bright spots on his defense. And I would say is – I would have said Tabir Thomas, but he has a he – he's, he's on the contract for next year. Uh, maybe Desmond King. I've I've liked the fact that he like he besides the the interceptions, uh I like the fact that he's he's mostly a sure tackler for the cornerback position and he's also special teamer. So he kind of offers that dynamic that you want from from your cornerbacks that if you're not on the field, you're at least contributing as a returner or as a tackler, as a gunner on special teams. And then probably if we're having to um bring up a few names on offense. If it makes sense for whatever reason, I wouldn't. I mean, he's an old running back, but Rex Burkhead as a you know as 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 as, as a deaf option, you know, or as a as a mentor to to that to that to that position, or maybe Chris Moore or, or Chris Moore. Yeah, I keep I keep Chris Moore around. I think. I mean, I I just want to. If you have to draft four running backs this year, do it. You know, could just get some fucking youth at that position. Yeah. 
because it's been tough watching. I think Malik Collins is a name for me, Ruben. Um, I think he's probably played his way out of town because interior rushers are come at a premium and he'd probably have a chance to go somewhere else. But, you know, there, there might be flags about his previous contracts. Any other names you'd want to bring back? Um, Justin Britt, yeah, is, you know, I think, I think he's done a serviceable job, you know, coming off the injury and then uh, playing off COVID. That's unless we decide to take Tyler Lindenbaum in the draft. But wouldn't mind if the Houston Texans brought back Justin Britt, um, Kamu for sure. Uh, I would, I wouldn't mind Riggs Burkett at all. So, yeah, I mean, just adding on uh, Justin uh, Britt, so I think we should bring back. Yeah, I think Britt, I think he talks a good game. I don't know if I've really seen him piece it all together. And I don't think when you've had Jimmy Morrissey in there, I knew he was missed out this week, not available. But, yeah, you think, you know, is there there. But, yeah, I suppose, if yeah, I think it's the same with any of these guys. If they can come on summer level value deals that they're on this year, if it's value of the club, bring them back. Um, and Casario will take a big, wide approach um to 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 you know a volume based approach again it's going to feel and look all very similar i think this off season i can't really see much change and they might not have quite as many you know 30 plus signings that they bring in um jair what would you say is the top three needs you you don't want to draft for needs you want to fill that in free agency top three needs for you going into the off season i would say the first one would probably be quarterback Simply because even if, if even if you don't expect him to start, I want to see competition at quarterback. I don't want I don't want Davis Mills to just have the job. And then the second one would probably be the own. I mean, there's so many, so many, so many, so many. <laughs> there's more than yeah. three. That's but yeah. I would probably say the O line because <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's been it's been it's been like musical chairs. Everyone's coming in and out. Uh, they need a. Uh, they really need to solidify the interior O line. I feel like the tackles, you know, it's not it's not as bad considering if we keep Tunsil, which I doubt it. But if we do keep Howard, those are you know those are your two starters. Then if you decide to uh, move Howard to the left tackle, uh, you have you could always improve the right tackle position, or you could bring back Jaron Christian, who's done a serviceable serviceable job. Yeah, and he was a player that that Casario just claim off waivers, so. I'm adding to that point. Uh, I feel like Casario has done a decent job of just you know bringing players off the street and just you know plug and play. But and then probably the third one would probably be running back, just because or tight running back or tight end, because you know running backs. I mean, we don't have anyone under contract besides um, Scotty Phillips, I think, for next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think running backs can be a big one. Yeah. Ruben, I'm kind of torn, I suppose, on the offense. I, I agree with those, and there's just so many. I think it's a, for, on the defensive side of the ball, what do you think? Because I, I think it's probably a close toss-up between edge rusher and cornerback because you can never have enough of either. Um, you probably take and draft as many of those guys as you can, regardless of you know if they're top-end talent. If you think you can get a job out of them, then fine. Um, and then I think on, on the defense, you've got to really kind of sort out linebacker because I think we need more athletic mm-hmm. guys to play this game. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that, you know, if you don't bring back Desmond King, you know, do the same thing, bring in a veteran guy, you know, you, you can't really go wrong with too many, you know, corners or edge rushers. Uh, I think that linebacker is something as well. I like Christian Kirksey, don't get me wrong, but not something to where I can say, yeah, yeah let's go ahead and bring him back for next season. You know, um, Camus, uh, he is healthy. So like, I would love to bring him back. Also, you know, shout out to Garrett Waller, what he's doing. As far as the offense, you know, I've talked about guard help. Um, wouldn't mind another veteran uh, wide receiver. But like Jair said, there's too many holes, you know, on this team. I think Nick Casario is going to do what he did last year, bring in a bunch of one- and two-year guys and, you know, try to see best of the best competition as uh, he likes. Jair, um, if you had a crystal ball, first-round pick, second-round pick, any couple of names or any guys you want, or even just a couple of candidates for first round, any draft guys you've looked at or seen watching the college ball on a Saturday you think might you'd uh, love to see on this team? I feel the, the top three options on most people's boards, like it's, it's a consensus between Aiden Hutchinson, uh, the Oregon defensive end, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Kyle Hamilton, the safety linebacker from Notre Dame. So either of those three fall to the Texans 
that's a gimme right there. Like that's, that's an easy way to improve your defense. And if you, for whatever reason you consider, Hey, a team is offering me a future first or your, some day two picks to move up. I wouldn't mind. Inter- I, yeah. I wouldn't inter- I wouldn't mind entertaining those offers, trading back, getting that center from Iowa or just uh, bolstering the offensive line. There's, there's a few really good, uh, the, the offensive line from Texas A&M green. Yeah. There's, so there's, there's plenty of good options in the top 10. And obviously they're saying this draft isn't that deep at quarterback or, or certain positions, but there is talent. So it's just about finding the right players and in the maybe in the process, accumulating draft picks by trading back. Yeah. And, and where I see it, right? If you think of like, if you're at the top of the draft and Casario views very much his value, um, it's, you know, he talked about that with Mills. He doesn't care about the numbers. He only cares about the tape and what he sees, you know? And I think that's the right way to look at it. And I you know that was I, I like that that point he made. But if you think of the top end edge rushers that have come out, like the Miles Garrett, like the Bosa brothers, like these guys have been taken at the top of the top top t- tier of the draft. I think everyone's in agreement that that Thibodeau and Hutchinson aren't in that class. So therefore, if you take those guys, you're not getting the true value that pick you could get. So therefore, I think Casario will want to trade back and recognize that. But what I also do think is that that you don't necessarily take a safety at that position. But what Kyle Hamilton does on the field at a safety position, if you you know if all positions were equal, completely outweighs what those two edge rushers can do because he his range, his movement, his tackling, just his size and frame, he's a freak. Yeah. And those two guys aren't freaks. Thibodeau maybe if you get them in the right situation. Hutchison's just a try hard guy, like kind of like what? Not I don't say they play the same. Uh, they definitely don't. Uh, but Watt's done everything he can to get everything out of his body. Every inch, he's got it, you know, because he's worked hard. And I think Hutchison's that kind of guy. But really, in the true sense, you want three picks for that third overall pick because you could translate them in that two seconds if you only move down a little. Yeah. Um, so, Ruben, where do you stand on that? Where do you do you think it's worth picking? Because I think, do you take the risk of eggs in one basket with one of these guys that might not necessarily transform your defense, um, or do you do you trade back, or who would you like to see them pick up? Yeah, so first I was on the, you know, on those two guys, either Hutch or Thibodeau. Um, after watching more of Kyle Hamilton, man, they, like I said, that dude is legit. I mean, when you're 6'4", you're a good open field tackler. You know, you have a knack for, you know, for taking the ball away. He was covering wide receivers, tight ends. He does a lot of great stuff that the Houston Texans need. It, You know, I wouldn't mind if they trade back. You know, I do like the safety from Alabama, Jordan Baker as well. Um, the other safety from Michigan. There's a lot of, you know, great things about trading back. And if you are trying to rebuild and you are Nick Casario, who just came off a stellar draft, right? You know, all five players have made impacts this season. Give Nick Casario maybe all the ammo that he wants and see if he could find multiple players and bring in. Yeah, I think it's funny because last year he he got rid of picks and got rid of fourth round pick this year to to only pick selected guys. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he goes back and takes a volume based approach what he's done to free agency, um, and just sees it as darts at the board because he continually references all the time the draft's not the be all and end all. He's you know he's probably said that just about in every interview he's had. So, um, but I think for me, I just don't know how you pass on Cal Hamilton if he's sitting mm-hmm. there at three. Look, he might he might not work out. And if you if you go high and get a safety, it doesn't necessarily pan out. Injuries, you know, lack of lack of mental preparation or whatever it might be, um, is a difficult one. But yeah, I just think what he can do at that position, um, I think teams will be scared to pick him one and two because he's just just not a done thing. But I think he's he's got potential. But you've seen guys like Derwin James just drop because people just you know there was that positional value played into it. Um, so I don't I, I don't know. Where it is, but anybody that can get us get us some some movement up front, and build up your trenches. I don't care what side of the ball it's on, um, and then get guys that can cover. I think we'll be in a better position than we are now. But but any other moves you'd like to see Jay in the off season? We're not touching before we get out of here. Mm, well, hopefully, uh, the hopefully the Sean Watson trade goes through because uh, I was gonna I was gonna point this out earlier, but I forgot. But if Casero is somehow able to uh, trade Deshaun this off season. I feel like that's that's the biggest domino that's gonna fall. Cause imagine uh that that's gonna open up your options in terms of the draft, but also uh who knows free agency, free agency and also who knows, may, I mean, 
the Adders just report that David Coley might come, uh, might, might come back next year. That's, you know, and I'm going based off of that. But if for whatever reason, the Texans pivot from that, at least having all these first round picks, it's going to be very, uh, it's going to be very attractive to potential head coaching candidates. Yeah. Yeah. I think move on. Yeah. Get out the, get out the, the, the sort of shadows that we've been in. Because, um, Ruben, want to it, it's it's oh, all sorry, it's all about making uh, this place more attractive, this team more attractive. So if you have more first round picks, you know it's gonna it's gonna make you easily you know raise you up, you know, in terms of uh, the most wanted for 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 a potential head head coach. Yep. Ruben, what'd you yeah, like? look, just going off of what he said, you know, at some point in the next couple of you know weeks, Nick Casario is gonna have you know the conversation with himself. Should David Cully be here or not? And with the thought of trading Deshaun Watson, multiple first-round picks, you're going to have, you know, like I said, cap space with the trade, even more if you decide to trade uh, Tunsil. I don't know which head coach wouldn't want to come here with multiple first-round picks, cap space, and a potential, you know, developmental quarterback. That's if David Cully's not here. But I totally agree with Jair. You know, you need to make this team want you know like you we need a head coach you know someone to finally say yeah i want to go to houston and make that team you know a franchise yeah no i i think we just need to yeah we need to move on i think it's just just been stuck and stuck spinning our wheels whatever you want to call it trade water um we want to move on um but yeah no thank you very much guys for your time jair ruben appreciate it a uh, bit of a vacation edition um probably less more about the game and more on the general picture stuff but as you said until we move on um, you know, nothing changes. So let's get some change. It's going to be an off season to change, whatever happens. Um, forgot to say to start. Happy New Year to you. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to the the fellows for their time. Um, talking this strange old team that never uh, fails to give you something to talk about. That's for sure. But um, if you're checking on on Facebook, um, on Twitter, like it, share it on YouTube. Uh, get those algorithms turning. Let's get get the name out there this year. Um, we'll be as, here as much as we possibly can. Um, sanity <laughs> sanity providing in the off season but thanks again for listening we'll speak to you again next week All right. take care